بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to MISC Women and our podcast series The Beginning of Guidance for Muslim Women I'm Um Abdullah, your host for this series and I welcome you back, inshallah to some more wisdom of Imam Ghazali that we can learn and practice and teach our children and teach those around us, inshallah. Today we are going to be looking at the first activity that we engage in after we have prepared ourselves through our purification. So as you are well aware, our last few episodes have been on personal hygiene as well as on the three types of ritual purification, the wudu and the ghusl and the tayammum. We're going to move on now into some acts of worship. Let's read our dua from Imam al-Haddad for seeking knowledge before we begin. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nawaitu ta'alluma wa ta'alim wa tadhakura wa tadhkir wa nafa wa lintifa wa l-ifadata wa l-istifada wa l-hatha ala tamasuki bi kitabillahi wa sunnati rasulih wa dua ila l-huda wa dalalata ala l-khair ibtigaa wajihillahi wa maradatihi wa kurbihi wa thawabihi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, alhamdulillah, I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness and extend it to others, to encourage adherence to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to call to guidance, direct towards good, seeking thereby the countenance of Allah, his divine pleasure, closeness and his reward, the most exalted and high. You can check our Instagram page, inshallah, for that dua. And I do encourage everybody to learn it, memorize it, inshallah, and make it one of the most important duas that you learn for seeking knowledge. And inshallah, may Allah enlighten us through that dua, inshallah. Imam al-Ghazali, rahimahullah, in his most expansive wisdom, provides for us in this book two very important and fundamental aspects that we need to not only understand but also implement and practice in our lives. And what he gives us is something called a tartib, which is a schedule or a program of, and this is the second part, of a daily practice of litanies and dhikrs or adhkar, remembrances and du'as. And of course, he encourages us to read a portion of the Quran every day and to spend some time if possible in a form of contemplation or pondering or thinking about Allah, thinking about life and developing our intellectual capacity as well. After having taken us through waking and getting dressed and the basics of purification, then we now move into the next part of a person's day, which would be the morning prayer. And for men, obviously, the most encouraged practice would be to set out for the mosque. And so that is what we are going into now. Imam Ghazali says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. May Allah benefit us from him in the two abodes, inshallah. Adabul khuruji ila al-masjid. Fa'idha faragta min taharatika, fasali fi baytika raka'atay al-fajr. In kan al-fajr qad tala'a. 
كذلكي كان يفعل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم توجه إلى المسجد ولا تدع الصلاة في جماعة لا سيما صلاة الصبح فالصلاة جماعة تفضل صلاة الفذ بسبع وعشرين درجة فإن كنت تتساهل في مثل هذا الربح فأي فائدة لك في طلب العلم وإنما ثمرة العلم العمل به He says when you finish your purification pray the two sunnah rakahs of fajr in your home if dawn has broken. So he's referring here to the person who would have heard the adhan, the fajr adhan, and can now pray the two sunnah rakahs before the obligatory rakahs of fajr. And this is encouraged to do in your home because, as he says, that is what the Messenger of Allah used to do. Then you make your way to the masjid and he says, do not fail to pray with the congregation, especially in the morning prayer. Because there is a hadith which says that a prayer in congregation is 27 times better than a prayer alone. And he says, if you are negligent of such a profitable act of praying your prayer, where you can get 27 times more reward for it, then what benefit is there for you in the pursuit of knowledge? Because the fruit of knowledge is in acting upon it. And by that short statement, he's actually indicated to us the two most fundamental concepts that are in our deen. And that's knowledge, ilm, and acting upon it, amal. So they are the two fundamental things that we need to know all the time. So if we're learning, we need to act on it. There's no point in learning if we're not going to somehow and in some way try and put it into practice. There's also another hadith about the two sunnas before the obligatory fard prayer of Fajr. And the Prophet ﷺ has said, Raka'atay al-Fajr khayrun min dunya wa ma fiha. That the two sunnas of Fajr are better than the dunya and everything that it contains. So to be able to get up and to pray and to prepare oneself and be in the right state of body and mind for your obligatory prayer early in the morning as a customary practice is something which has tremendous benefit for the heart and for the soul. Our commentator Al-Jawi, he says that it's sunnah to read Surat Al-Kafirun in the first rakah and Surat Al-Ikhlas in the second rakah. Or also in the first one to read Alam Nashrah Laka Sadarak and in the second one Alam Tarakaifa Fa'ala Rabbuka Bi Ashab Il Feet. So they're all short surahs in the last section of the Quran. And the wisdom behind reading Alam Nashrah and Alam Tara is that your enemies or people who have something against you will not be able to harm you and they will not find a way to you, meaning what that they are read for protection. And also there's a play on words there because they both begin with alam, which means, is it not that? So alam nashrah laka sadarak, is it, is it not that we opened your heart or didn't we open your heart? And alam tarakayfa, didn't you see how Allah dealt with the people of the field? And it's a play on words, why? Because there's also another word which has the same letters, alam. And alam is the word for pain. And so it said that if you read these two surahs in the Sunnah of Fajr, inshallah then pain will be taken away from you. Wallahu alam. It's also a Sunnah after somebody has prayed those two rakahs to lie down. 
for a short while, if of course you can guarantee that you won't fall back to sleep. And one of the reasons for that or the wisdom behind that is so that it motivates you and sends you to go on to do good work for your akhirah because it's a motivation for you to then stand up and to pray your obligatory prayer and that's taken as a, a metaphor for standing up and going out and being motivated and spending your day in good works, inshallah. Imam Ghazali exhorts us to pray in Jama'ah, in the congregation. And there are many, many benefits and much has been written about that. And he quotes a hadith from the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who says that prayer in Jama'ah is worth 27 times more than the prayer of the one who is on his own. We also know from another hadith that a person who prays Isha in congregation is as though he's prayed half the night and a person who prays Fajr in congregation is as though he has prayed the other half of the night. So if the two are prayed both in congregation, then it is as though the person has prayed the entire night. So the reward for that would be as though you had stood the whole night awake in prayer. But what does that mean for us as women when generally speaking we don't go to the mosque for the early morning prayer. Well, what it means is that our way of performing the same action is to be up early at the first of the time, preferably, as Imam Ghazali has said before, to have prayed tahajjud or the qiyam layl standing in night, so the voluntary prayers before the adhan of fajr, to pray at the beginning of the time as much as we can, and if possible, to find somebody in the house to pray with us. I understand there are differences of opinion there in some of the schools of thought, but in the Shafi school, having a woman imam, so a woman leader of the prayer for women only, is absolutely fine and recommend. So women can pray with women. There can be young boys in the jama'ah, so if you have little ones, it's fine. And maybe even if they're a little bit older as well. But by 10, they should really have learnt what they need to learn to be the imam and then they can even lead you in prayer. So women can definitely pray with women. Then Imam Ghazali mentions about leaving to go for the prayer. And he says, Bismillah, فَإِذَا سَعِيتَ إِلَى الْمَسْجِرِ فَمْشِي عَلَى هَيْنَةٍ وَتُعَدَّتٍ وَلَا تَعْجَلٍ He says, when you walk to the mosque, walk with tranquility and do not rush. Rushing is always something that comes from the shaitan. So a person should, as much as possible, even if they're running late, retain their composure and go in the most quiet and humble and dignified way to the mosque, with tranquility, as he says. And then there is a dua, which he recommends, or which is a prophetic dua that a person should make on the way. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَقُلْ فِي تَرِيقِكَ When say on your way, اللهم إني أسألك بحق السائلين عليك وبحق الراغبين إليك وبحق مماشى هذا إليك فإني لم أخرج أشرا ولا بطرا ولا رياء ولا سمعة بل خرجت اتقاء سختك وابتغاء مرضاتك فأسألك أن تنقذني من النار وأن تدخلني الجنة 
وأن تغفر لي ذنوبي فإنه لا يغفر ذنوبا إلا أنت. Oh my Lord, I beseech you by the right of those beseech you and the right of those who long for you. So they are the people, the sadiqim, the truthful ones, the sincere ones. And by the right of this walk of mine towards you. I have not left my home intending insolence, nor in arrogance, nor seeking to make a show of my actions, nor seeking prestige. Rather, I have come forth from my home in fear of your wrath and in search of your satisfaction. I ask you to save me from the fire, to let me enter paradise, and I ask that you forgive my sins. For truly, there is none who forgives sins but you. And it is reported that if a person reads this dua, then Allah will accept you himself, and that 70,000 angels will make istighfar for you. So even if we don't go ourselves, then we should definitely encourage our husbands and the men in our families to learn this dua and to make it when they do go, inshallah, because its reward is great and it's very purifying because then the person knows they're not leaving the house in a state of ghafla or being light-hearted about anything or to show off or to reject Allah's blessing, but rather they are going for no other reason other than to worship Allah sincerely, insha'Allah. Then we move on to the next section in the book, which is the etiquette of staying in the mosque until sunrise. This is quite a long section because it's full of du'as. And inshallah, we'll see how we go with reading them. So he says, When you are going to enter the mosque, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, adabu dukhuli masjidi ila tulu'i shams. So staying in the mosque until sunrise. فَإِذَا أَرَدْتَ دُخُولَ الْمَسْجِدِ فَقَدِّمْ رِجْلَكَ الْيُمْنَى So when you go into the mosque, enter with your right foot and say, اللهم صلي على محمد وعلى آل محمد وسلم اغفر لي اللهم اغفر لي ذنوبي وافتح لي أبواب رحمتك Entering with your right foot is a very strong sunnah and as we learnt from our previous episode on personal hygiene, that when we go into non-holy places, we go with our left foot first, such as the bathroom. But when we go into a mosque, which is a holy and sanctified place, we go in with our right foot and we come out with our left foot. He says, if you see someone selling things, say, may Allah make your transaction unprofitable. And if you see someone calling out to people about something that's gone missing, say, may Allah not restore to you what you have lost. And the reason for that is not to be nasty, but it's to remind people that the mosque is neither for selling things, nor does it have anything to do with the upkeep of animals. And that if people have lost something, then they should see to that after the prayer. فَإِذَا دَخَلْتَ مَسْجِدْ فَلَا تَجِزْ حَتَّى تُصَلِّيَ رَكْعَتَيْ التَّحِيَةِ so when you've entered the mosque, do not sit down until you have performed the two rakahs of greeting the mosque. And he says, but if you have already prayed the two sunnahs of fajr in your home, then performing them will take the place of the greeting prayer. So you pray two rakahs at home, then you can go and pray two rakahs to greet the mosque. Or if you didn't pray at home, then when you get to the mosque, you can pray your two rakahs with the intention of it being sunnah for fajr and also for greeting the mosque. So you can combine those intentions. You can also combine with it the intention that you're praying those two rakahs for the sunnah of wudu because it's encouraged to pray two rakahs after you have made your wudu. So there are 
several intentions you can combine. Then our commentator says that the most important thing to remember about the two rakahs to greet the mosque is that you do it before you sit down, and that's really the point. So you don't go into the mosque and just sit. You go in and you pray straight away. So that's what it's to encourage. Then he says, upon completing the two rakahs, make the intention for itikaf. فَإِذَا فَرَقْتُ مِنَ رَكَعَتَيْنِ فَنْوِي الْإِتِكَافِ وَدَعُوا بِمَا دَعَى بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بَعْدَ رَكَعَتَيْ الْفَجْرِ Now, women can do this too. When we go in to the mosque, then we say to ourselves, Allahumma, إِنِّي نَوَيْتُ الْإِتِكَافَ فِي هَذَا الْمَسْجِدْ مَا دُمْتُ فِيهِ So we say, Oh Allah, I intend itikaf in this mosque for the time in which I am in it. Now, this itikaf means that I intend spiritual seclusion. It's not the itikaf that men do in the mosque in Ramadan, for example. What it means is that I intend for my time here to be exclusively devoted to you, Allah, through prayer, through dhikr, through reading the Quran, through the acts of worship that people do in the mosque for the time that I am here inside. If it is true that you didn't get to actually pray, your two rakahs of greeting the mosque because it might be that a person can't hold their wudu or for whatever reason but they went in, then the alternative or rather the replacement, the substitute for that is to say subhanallah walhamdulillah wa la ilaha illallah wallahu akbar wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyyil azim four times. So you can do that if you didn't get to pray. Now there are several du'as that he makes here. And these are also in the book Al-Khulasa, which is the dhikr and weird book um, of our uh, Shaykh and Murabi, Al-Habib uh, Umar ibn Muhammad ibn Salim bin Hafid. Uh, Allah protect him, inshallah. So I would encourage you to read the du'as in there and to learn them. And we will just go over some of the meanings here. So these are the du'as that you make between the sunnah rakahs of Fajr and the Fart. Okay, so in English, O oh Allah, I ask you for mercy through which you guide my heart, by which you compose my state of disarray, by which you order my disorder, by which you return me to my state of harmony, through which you reform me in my religion, by which you preserve my inner state and elevate my outer state, through which you purify my deeds, illuminate my face, instill in me my guidance and protect me from all evil. That is very, very encompassing. And the person asks for those things, what? Through Allah's mercy. Then I ask you for everlasting faith felt intimately in my heart. I ask you for true certainty. So this is iman and da'iman yubashiru qalbi. So intense faith felt in the heart, then I ask you for yaqeenan sadiqan, for the most true certainty. I'm just selecting some parts here. Allahumma inni asalqa sabra al qada. So I ask you for patience with the decree. Wal fawza al liqa. And for success in the meeting with you. Wa manazil shuhada. And for the stations of the martyrs. Wa aisha su'ada. And for the life of those who are contented and happy. And for assistance against adversaries 
and for the companionship of the prophets. Then the person says, I lay before you my need or I put my need forward to you and I'm in dire need of your mercy. So rescue me from the midst of the seas and the punishment of the fire and from the torment of the grave. Then we ask, Allahumma ja'alna hadin muhtadin ghayra dalin wa la mudillin. So we ask Allah to make us of those who are guided and who guide. And not to let us be led astray, nor lead others astray. Harban li adaik. Wasilman li awliya'ik. To show enmity toward your enemies. Which is not a call to violence or anything like that, which is how it might seem. But it means that we don't allow people to bring us down. That we don't get on board with people whose goal is to undermine us, to undermine our faith, to undermine our families and our values and to destroy our society. So this is very important because we have to be good to everybody all the time as Muslims and to be kind and generous and compassionate towards people. But we also have to know and be savvy about what's really going on. And if it is that people want to bring us down, which they do, and this has been the case from the very beginning, even from the beginning of the Prophet's time, والسلام, he spent the, most of his time dealing with people who didn't support him, particularly in his first 13 years in Mecca. And then afterwards, the Hijrah to Medina, um, how many battles did he go out? Not all of them resulted in engagement or warfare, only some of them did. But they were constantly being called out to a fight or to contest with adversarial tribes who didn't want them, who didn't like them and who rejected Islam. So this is always a part of being a Muslim. There will always be people who are against you. And so we have to know and be clear about this is how we behave in relation to you and how you behave in relation to us is your problem, but we're not going to get on your side and bring our own selves down by our own hands. So that's more what it means to show enmity towards your enemies. Okay, it means not to jump on their bandwagon and get on board. We ask Allah to enable us to be at peace with his friends, with the saints, and that we love people with your love and are hostile with your hostility toward any of your creatures who have opposed you. So again, those who have got issues with the concept of God and who actively go about trying to uh, not just oppose that but to violently sometimes, whether that be through physical acts or through ideological acts, to try and destroy that concept and the people who believe. The last part is very nice, mashallah, um, and this is something that we should all learn as well. It's, Allahumma ija'alli nuran fi qalbi. Oh Allah, grant me light in my heart. Wa nuran fi qabri, and light in my grave. Wa nuran fi sam'i. Light in my hearing, wa nuran fi basri, and light in my seeing, wa nuran fi sha'ri, and light in my hair, wa nuran fi bashri, wa light in my skin, wa nuran fi lahmi, wa light in my flesh, wa nuran fi dami, and light in my blood, wa nuran fi idami, and light in my bones, wa nuran min bayna yaday, light before me, wa nuran min khalfi, and light behind me, wa nuran an yamini. 
wa light to my right side wa nuran an shimali and light to my left side wa nuran min fawqi and light from above me wa nuran min tahti and light from below me allahumma zidni nura oh allah increase me in light wa'tini nura and give me light wa ja'alli nura and make me light subhanallah so beautiful and if we can make that dua and feel the meaning of that dua and be blessed to be encompassed by that light, then inshallah, what a way to begin the day. What a way to enter into our prayer that we're about to stand up and pray and then to be able to sit after that and to remember Allah and to thank Allah and to praise Allah and to ask Allah for all the things that we want to ask feeling and knowing that we are basking in this most glorious and illuminated divine light that is all-encompassing from every direction and from every aspect of ourselves, from our cells, from our blood, our nerves, our bones, everything that we're made of, inshallah, and all around us. And that is really the concept of beauty and love to know and to turn ourselves to Allah and to ask for that and for him to bestow that upon us, that is iman, that is faith and that is certainty and inshallah that is the most beautiful state for a human being to be in and we ask Allah to bless us with that in the most complete way inshallah. Then finally Imam Ghazali says, فَإِذَا فَرَقْتَ مِنَ الدُّعَائِ فَلَا تَشْتَغِلْ إِلَىٰ أَدَاءِ الْفَرِيدَةِ he says, when you finish supplicating, do not occupy yourself with anything except the remembrance of Allah, glorification or the recitation of the Quran until the time comes for the obligatory prayer. And then, of course, you will stand up with the congregation or with whoever is at home or even by yourself if that's the way it has to be because you're at home, or with your husband if, for example, he can't get to the mosque, which is often the case depending on the country that you're in. But you should definitely seek to pray in congregation with your husband or your father or your brother or whoever is there because if you can't make for the congregation in the mosque, then definitely make your household a mosque and have congregational prayer at home because it's worth 27 times more. We'll just conclude with a story of a man who had prayed for 30 years in the mosque every single prayer, five times a day. And not only did he pray every prayer in the mosque, but he also stood in the front row behind the imam for 30 years. And one evening, he didn't get there. And his companions, of course, who knew him were very surprised and they didn't know where he was. And the man was so distressed that he said to himself, okay, I'm going to pray this prayer 27 times now. And I'm going to do so because I missed out on 27 times reward. So it was the Isha prayer. So he stood up and he prayed the Isha prayer 27 times. Then he went to sleep. And in his dream he saw his companions from the mosque and they were all riding horses and they were galloping along and he saw all of them come past and overtake him and he was left behind and then he heard what is called a hatif or a voice or he was being called and he was told that you are being left behind because even though you had prayed 27 times you are not able 
to make up ever for that prayer that you missed in the congregation. SubhanAllah. If it's gone, it's gone. If the opportunity is gone, then it won't come back. And we need to make sure, as Imam Ghazali tells us, to have a tartib, to have a schedule, and to be regular and consistent in our practices on that schedule. So not only is the schedule to pray the Fajr prayer, but the schedule is to pray it in congregation, inshallah, whenever possible, and to beautify it with the du'as and the dhikr and the other practices before and after it, inshallah. So we'll leave it there, and I look forward to catching up with you again in our next episode, inshallah, when we will talk about the adhan and we will talk about praying the Fajr prayer, inshallah. May Allah give us tawfiq and may he illuminate us inside and out, inshallah. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.